You are listening to a Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We encourage you to share this with friends and family, but ask that you do not edit it without the permission of the owners. This Bible Talk is designed to supplement belonging to a local church with its teaching and community, not to replace it. We pray this talk helps you love Jesus and become more like him. So welcome, Catherine, to Fireside Chats. Uh, You are a staff member that might be in a bit of an enigma, I think it might be the right word, for a lot of the students. You're on the staff team, you're around, but we don't see you that much. Um, I'm often hiding at Caulfield. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'll ask you about that in a sec. The question that I've asked every staff so far is, um, who are you? Who is Catherine? Who is Catherine? My full name is Catherine Fletcher, and I've been on staff at Monash for the past 10 years. I was brought up in a Christian home and praise God for my mum and dad who instilled in me uh, uh, the importance of following Jesus. And uh, I am one of these um, strange people that got married very young, Joel. I was 20 when I got married yeah, right. to Charlie, uh, who is my husband of 26 years now. And we have two young adult sons. And we, Which most of the students probably know. Most of the students may, may well know Jonathan and Harry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and what's, uh, what's one thing about you that's maybe unusual we might not know? Like one, one passion or one hobby or mm-hmm. something like that? Well, the one that I always go to because I think it makes me very rare is that I have an anaphylactic reaction to watermelon. Really? I do indeed. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> if you want to kill me, <laughs> by stealth you can throw in some watermelon when I don't have an EpiPen around. No, yeah, right. It's, um, that, that's a very pretty rare. S- a strange allergy that yeah. um, came to light in my 30s. It wasn't always there. I so want to ask how that came to light, but that's all right. I'm sure that's a story <laughs> for another day. Have you ever met anyone with a no. anaphylaxis to watermelon? Although... There's other people I know who've got other sort of strange allergies to watermelon, not yeah, right. sort of necessarily anaphylactic. Yeah, mm. I never thought any melon could cause a... A harmless little innocent watermelon. But then I didn't think that about strawberries either, I guess. So, you know, <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, uh, grew up in a Christian home. Then you got married at 20. Yep. Uh where were you living in Melbourne at that point? Yeah. Was it? Yep. So brought up in the Bayside suburb of Sandringham. Yeah, right. Um, which uh, is an interesting part of Melbourne because it's uh, increasingly a very wealthy suburb and with wealth often comes a lot of dryness towards things that are spiritual. Um, and so generally the church scene in the Bayside part of Melbourne is is not super strong, you'd have to say. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people who just wouldn't regard themselves as all religious or uh, driven so, by Christianity or any other religion, really. So in that context then, how did you meet Charlie? Like, mm. was were you part of a big church or...? Yeah. Or? So Charlie and I, we think we met when I was probably around nine and he was about... 12 or 13 because no I would have been 10 
we he was at school with my big brother Tim. Yeah, right. And they were good friends. And uh, so a memory I do have when I was quite young was playing cricket out in the street with a bunch of Tim's friends, including Charlie. Mm. Okay, so you've got friends, uh, which we're going to come back to. We're going to talk lots about friendship, but Mm -hmm. uh, you've got some friends and Charlie's just one of your big brother's friends. How did that change? When did that change? (laughs) Well, my brother was part of a debating team at school and Charlie was in that debating team. So I went along as my brother's mascot for the team and heard all their debates, uh, crazy high school debates. Um, And so I was in the orbit of Charlie, but only as he's my brother's friend and debating partner. And then when my brother Tim uh, graduated from high school and went to uni, he joined a young adults prayer group that met um, in the Bayside area. It was just a bunch of young adults who went to a variety of churches in the Bayside area and felt a need to pray for the Bayside area. And they would meet on a Sunday night to pray. Um, And my big brother invited me to join the group when I was in year 12. And from there... um, I got to know Charlie because he was also in that group. He'd become a Christian at the end of year 12 uh, through the witness of one of his uh, high school friends and had joined a church. So when he was debating in the debating team, he wasn't actually a Christian? He would have said he was a Christian, but he was more of a Christmas and Easter kind of Christian. Yeah, right. um, And hadn't really understood the gospel until a bit later on uh, when, yeah, he was in the in the summer between year 12 and high school. Um, So Charlie was part of that prayer group. My big brother was part of that prayer group. Tim invited me to come along to the prayer group. And um, that was where Charlie and I really sort of connected more meaningfully. And the funny story around it is that my brother Tim had a girlfriend at the time who lived in Richmond. And she would come to the prayer group and... Tim would drive her home to Richmond and then back down to Sandringham. And Charlie offered, out of the kindness of his heart, to make it easier for me by dropping me home <laughs> first <Yeah. laughs> to make um, so that I wouldn't have to do the big round trip. Well, what inevitably happened was Charlie would drop me to my house and we would be still chattering away in the car by the time my brother had done, done the round trip and <laughs> was coming quite home. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we had lots of late night, Sunday night conversations and got to know each other very well. And I think at that point began to really feel like we had very similar desires to serve God. And, um, and in the midst of that, I was in my year 12 years, so it was a fairly stressful year. And as with most year 12ies who don't really know what's next. I was in that, um, I guess, period of trying to discern God's will and was praying one night that God would... Well, I, I guess I was just praying a prayer of commitment, saying, God, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. And in response to that prayer, I saw a vision of a map being drawn 
And that map, I knew, was a map of Mexico. And although I'd never been to Mexico and didn't know anything, didn't know the first thing about the country really, um, I went and checked the atlas the next day just to kind of reassure my brain that I hadn't had some, you know, weird experience that made no sense. Mm. Um, And from that moment, I just felt a real sense of settled, um, I guess, peace that that was what God was going to call me to do, to go to Mexico. Um, But beyond that, I didn't know what. Mm. And I told this vision that I'd had to Charlie and he had had a dream in which he was preaching grace and the context was Mexico. And when we told each other our experiences, it was like, whoa, hang on a minute. Yeah, that's a bit strange. (laughs) What is God telling us? And it was... It was a bit of a, a kind of divine setup, I think. Yeah. Um, so just to clarify, this is before you were married. Right? This was before we were even going out. This is oh right, so it's right. Yeah, okay. It's Reasonably, like about six months into that prayer group, having uh, me having joined that yes, prayer group, right. and you know, yeah. So you're still in year twelve. I'm still in year twelve. Charlie's the kind of old big brother friend who's dropping you home and having lots of conversations, and you yeah. both have these yeah. dreams. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it was more in the space of vision, I suppose, and for him it was dream. Um, We kind of took it slowly, even though we both kind of knew that we were going to end up together. We didn't um, didn't immediately start going out. In fact, Charlie, in theory, to stop me from being distracted, waited until I'd finished Year 12 before he asked me out. Mm-hmm. But I was thoroughly distracted anyway. Yeah, I can so. quite imagine that would be the case, yes. <laughs> um, and, yeah, officially we were going out from that point on and then we, we had about three years of going out um, before we got married. Yeah. Hmm. So, and, and you studied at university during that So, I years? went to study at Melbourne Uni. Uh, did an arts degree, including Spanish, so that I was getting a bit prepared for Mexico. Um, and I did take a year off between first and second year to do some work and travel just for fun. Yeah. Yeah, mm. right. Uh, and so you finish that uni degree, you get married. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your friends thinking about at this time? Because I can. Did you tell your friends that this is where you're going? This is the plan. This yeah, is yeah, certainly. Later? Plenty of our friends were aware of how things had come together, um, and I think you know mostly our friends were super supportive and keen to see how um, things would work out for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you finished university. Mm-hmm. What was the kind of next step? Next step was. Um, going to Bible college. Uh, So Charlie did a a three-year bachelor and I did a graduate diploma across two years. And we worked part-time jobs around around it. Um, So we were sort of the poorest church mice kind of students. Just um, 
watching the way that God would provide for us. And it really was amazing how he provided for us. I remember in our first year of marriage, we had a logbook of our expenses and our income. And at the end of the year, the numbers matched pretty much entirely. Yeah, right. So just scraping through. (laughs) Just like God was giving us just Just what we needed. And in many ways, that was precisely the kind of life lesson that we needed to have to trust that he would continue to provide for us when we moved overseas. Mm. Um, And that, yeah, we... We didn't know, need to know necessarily where all the money was going to come from at the time, but trust that he would yeah. uh, bring it about the way we needed it. Yeah. Mm. This is unusual, I think, in our podcast because so far we've had people that didn't grow up in Melbourne who have come to Melbourne for gospel ministry. Mm-hmm. But you're actually the opposite. You grew up in Melbourne, but you went to, to Mexico, Mexico mm-hmm. for gospel ministry. Yeah. Uh, that's quite a big move. Quite a big move. Into a different place mm-hmm. and you need to find support. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what was that What was that like asking for support from friends? Because that changes mm. the nature of friendship a little bit, doesn't it? If you're starting to get money from friends or... Mm. I think a lot of our friends made it very easy for us to feel like it didn't change things. Yeah. That they were our partners in the gospel. Um, I think... The, it added an element in our, our Christian friendships of um, gospel friendship, yep. gospel um, partnership. And that, I think, uh, was something that definitely um, encouraged and supported us as we took those steps to head to Mexico, knowing that we had people cheering us on Mm. in all sorts of ways with prayer and financial support and and encouragement in many other ways as well. Were there any particular friendships through that time that were particularly encouraging? And what, what did they do mm. to make them particularly encouraging? Yeah. For when we were actually overseas? No, in that kind of approach uh, to overseas. approach to overseas. Gosh, you're asking me to think back a long uh, way, Joel. Asking, asking the hard <laughs> questions. Um. So amongst our Christian friends, I think there were there were just people who were very prayerfully um, sort of holding us up to the Lord, and um, a couple of friends who volunteered to be our um, distributors of the newsletter, and um, you know, helping in that practical way. Uh, I feel like overall we were we did have a, a good supportive sort of uh, network of churches and friendships that um, were, were sending us uh, and it was, we were being sent through CMS which is an organisation that has a lot of networks here in Melbourne and a lot of churches that are very uh, committed to supporting through CMS um, so in some ways we we began to have friends that we didn't know we had before because the CMS community is one that really um, is very supportive and like a big family in some ways. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I want to 
maybe we're, we're touching on this subject a fair bit and we're thinking about friendship. Mm. Um, but before we go any further, do you have a, a helpful or good definition for us of what, what is friendship? Yeah, I think friendship is a, a word that we feel like we know what it means, but then when we try to nail it down, I think it is reasonably hard. Um, I read recently um, a book called Made for Friendship by Drew Hunter and he comes up with a really good pithy definition. Friendship is an affectionate bond forged between people as they journey through life with openness and trust. Mm. And I like lots of that, the, the idea of affection, that there's a sense of connecting at the heart um, that it's as you journey through life. Um, and for me, that's been quite an interesting thought that our journey through life will have friends in it for some of the time, but, you know, for all sorts of reasons, friendships will um, either dry up or necessi- necessity makes them sort of just... Uh, move in a different direction. Um, So you won't always feel perhaps the same level of friendship across time. But um, I guess God provides in your life journey the friends that you need at different points. Um, And then there will be a few friends that just hang in for the entire lifespan. Mm. Um, And that is a beautiful thing. Although most people who get to the end of an oldish life... We'll only have a handful of friends that have travelled with them the whole time. Um, Yeah. And the openness and trust, I think, are are two very key pivotal parts of friendship. Openness, that you can just be yourself. You don't have to put on a mask or pretend you're you're, um, a super super person in some way. Um, And... Trust, I think, uh, you know, friends will guard their friends' um, precious, I guess, the precious china of their life, you know, the delicate things of their life. Mm. Um, And we'll be able to, you know, speak with confidence to a friend and know that they're not going to go and whisper it to everybody else around um, so openness and trust are two very important things. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess uh, I have so many questions, but mm. uh, what do you think kind of uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about openness, trust for a while or for a lifelong. Mm. Um, are there any other things that you think make someone a good friend? Hmm. Well, I think a good friend is someone who has a level of intentionality about the relationship that they have with their friend. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I think there's a kind of false belief out there that friendship can just happen magically and it will be beautiful. Um, but I think the reality is that there's a lot of cultivating that goes into mm-hmm a deep and long-term friendship. Um, It requires time. Um, It requires availability. 
Um, and yeah, with the busyness of life, I think a lot of people sacrifice the opportunity to continue building their friendships and then sadly the friendships um, can wither away a bit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing someone saying recently that friendships now are quite fragile Mm -hmm. Um, and when you have a fragile friendship it's very hard to be open and trusting because if you say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing just even one time sometimes friendships can fall apart Mm. Um, but i guess a a good friend is one who's intentional intentional but also open and trusting to the point where even if you make a mistake or you stuff up or and in the mess of life they still carry through Mm. um, and there's still that trust there. Yeah. I wonder if friendships are fragile, a lot more fragile now, in part because if people have not really understood Jesus as their perfect forever friend, they want humans to try and be perfect forever friends for them and humans can never be that. Mm. So let's just unpack that a little bit further. Yeah. I feel like that's that's a really important thing. I think we have to really uh, cultivate our understanding of Jesus as our friend. You know, sing that song, "What a Friend We Have in Jesus," and think about it. Um, how he is the perfect friend, and even when others despise or forsake us, he doesn't change. Um, and then. When, when our human friendships, you know, fail us in some way or we fail in our human friendships with someone else, um, I, I think there's more space for grace and forgiveness if we've understood our friendship uh, in Christ as our foundation. Um, mm. And then we can sort of spill that out into our human relationships as well. I'm just trying to work out what it, what does it mean for Jesus to be my friend? Because mm. I, I think a lot of people have Jesus, maybe Jesus is their Lord who's a little bit mm. distant mm-hmm. or they have kind of Jesus as maybe like a, a brother or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is it, an, is it an equal friendship or hmm. unequal friendship? Well, In John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, I've called you friends. And he's our truest friend because he has demonstrated his love for us on the cross. And greater love has no man than that he lay down his life for his friends. Mm. So he's shown his included us as his friends i guess the when if you ask if it's an equal relationship or something it's him choosing to be our friend Mm. that is uh the demonstration on the cross Mm. that he has uh accepted us as his friends Uh, even when we don't deserve to be i guess well we're his enemies really until um until that process of uh forgiveness happens um but then we pass from enemy to friend straight away Hmm. we don't have to earn the friendship or you know pass a test in some way um we become his friends and he 
when he says, I don't call you servants anymore, I call you friends, it's because I've let, I'm letting you know my plans. The idea that he's led us into his grand plan of salvation. He's led us into his being participants in his mission. That's part of being his friend. Mm. Um, But it's, I guess, the idea of friendship there is in contrast to being an enemy, you know. They're just the two different worlds. Mm. Um, And the friendship that Jesus offers us I think is the knowing us completely and loving us perfectly. Mm. Um, loving us warts and all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I guess how, how does that relate to the friendships that we have between one another? I, I think there's a, there's a pretty mm. clear kind of distinction here that we're talking here about Christian friendship. Yes, we are. Yeah, we? yeah. Um, and I want to ask you what's the difference between the two, but I think that kind of is at least one big difference between the two. But first, what's for a Christian in a Christian friendship, mm-hmm. knowing that we're friends with Christ, how does that shape our Christian friendship? Hmm. Well, I think we can take a lot of pressure off our friendships if Jesus is number one. In a similar way that we talk about marriage, you know, you have to have Jesus at the centre so that you're not over-pressurising the relationship with wanting the other person to be uh, fulfilling you in in ways that only God can. Um, And I think similar thing applies to friendship. Uh, sorry, there was something you, else you asked in there that I'm forgetting. Um, Is it, well, we can return to what's the difference yeah. between a Christian and non-Christian friendship. Yeah. Well, I think there are plenty of non-Christian friendships that are very solid friendships mm. that have that openness and trust that are forged <clears throat> between people with affection and you know people uh, have can have some pretty healthy friendships outside of Christ. I think that's part of God's common grace in the world <clears throat> that he uh, <clears throat> would give uh, us human beings as his image bearers the capacity to to love others in that kind of friendship way. But for a Christian friendship, I guess there's an added element <clears throat> um, and that would be that we want to be encouraging one another in our Christian faith Mm. and in the journey of life that we'll have plenty of bumps and times when either our faith feels fragile or our friend's faith feels fragile. And God uses friendship in those circumstances to help build each other up. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Hebrews, uh, in chapter 10, it talks about consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So for Christians, I think our friendship needs to involve at some level that encouragement to continue in your Christian walk. Mm. Um, 
It's not to say that every friendship needs to, every time you come across your friend, you need to finish with a word of prayer together or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, but there will be times when I'll say, oh, I need you to pray for me about such and such in my life at the moment or um, what can I be praying for you at the moment? And that leads to a level of openness and trust that will, I guess, forge the deeper friendship over time as well as be encouraging the faith. Mm. Mm. So say we have a, uh, a listener who's listening and they're like, that friendship sound amazing. Mm. But I don't really have any friendships mm. like that. Mm. How, how do we cultivate that kind yeah. of friendship? Yes, that is a good question. Um, I think cultivating friendship is something that in some ways we, through our growing up years, we may have varying experiences of friendship in our childhood that might scar and damage us in some ways so that we struggle to know how to... um, interact meaningfully with people or with trust or with openness because perhaps in the past uh, we've been open and vulnerable and then that's backfired. Um, so, you know, it's it's understandable why some people do struggle to get friends that are of that level of friendship. Mm. Um, and for Christians, I think a great place to start is in, in a group like Christian Union, you know, go along to the social events, go along to the hub times and the Bible studies, find yourself connecting with people. And in amongst those people, there'll be people that you click with and click with in a, a more deep and meaningful way. Um, but it don't expect it to happen overnight. Mm. I think sometimes if people are in a rush for a friendship to magically appear or magically happen um maybe a bit of overload can happen and that can uh make people feel a little bit maybe a bit jarred by that and and then shut down a bit more Mm. so it is a, a process of gradual opening i think rather than wide open the door this is me <laughs> um Look, for some people that works, but I think also we do need to sort of just tread with some level of delicacy. Mm. Yeah. And I guess maybe sometimes we'd look ahead a few years and see people that are a few years ahead of us and have amazing friendships like Mm. this and think, well, why don't I have that right now? Uh, And so jump and rush. But that's helpful to be reminded that it happens over time and it's Mm. not something we can expect Mm. to happen. Mm. I remember talking to a first year this year um, who was saying, I kind of expected to jump in to see you because they'd seen other people in CU, jump in to see you and immediately have lifelong friends. Um, and mm. her reflection was, that's happening, but it's happening over quite a long yeah, period of time. that's right. Um, which yeah. was, yeah, it was lovely mm. to see. Mm. Uh, yes. Thinking about then uh, a different type of friendship maybe, mm. thinking about marriage, mm. um, well, I guess first question, would you is marriage a friendship or is it something different or something more or something less or hmm. 
I would certainly hope that marriage includes friendship as a very major component. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've heard from people who got married in a, an arranged marriage circumstance where they barely knew the person they were marrying that if the commitment is there from the start that you're going to forge a relationship, a healthy relationship together, then you you make the friendship work as well, you know. Um, I would say definitely you want to have friendship as part of marriage. Mm. Um, and cultivating fr- the friendship is just as important as cultivating the romance. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about, so quite often in CU we hear the the question or the, the thought, all oh, my friends are getting married, I feel mm. so alone. I feel like mm. I'm losing friends. Mm. Um, and we, we have this thing in culture where basically if you really want to be known, you have to be in some sort of intimate relationship, mm. often that includes sex but also is usually in that kind of marriage thing. It's this idea and you, you're not going to have a real friendship or mm. re- be really known properly unless mm. you're in marriage. Um, yeah, how do we balance having that friendship of marriage and the relationship of marriage and all that mm. entails but also having good friends? Yeah, yeah. Does marriage satisfy that hmm. longing for deep friendship? Yeah, I think... You know, initially sometimes people when they get married think my marriage partner is going to be all I need <laughs> um, or even if they don't voice it that way, they start to behave that way by not really investing in the friendships that they had around um, prior to marriage. Um, but I think healthy marriages will actually try to foster friendships outside the marriage because every relationship every friendship that you have ignites a slightly different part of you and it helps you be a more complete person if you've got other people that bring out a different side of you and um and yeah for for both guys and uh girls i feel like there's a need to keep the, those friendships happening. I I do understand what you were just saying a moment ago, you know, if single people are watching a whole lot of their friends get married off and feel like, oh, the train's leaving without me, I'm losing my friends. Um, I think that's actually a, a pretty, it's a hard one to weather, sort of realising that, the friendship that you had with person A who's now married off to person B, that relationship has now changed and mm. you do need to recognise that. But it doesn't mean that the re- your friendship has gone, um, but there will be an, a, an adapting process around that, I suppose. Mm. Um, and I think too, especially if perhaps you're, you're somebody who's not going to get married, um, for whatever reason, uh, might be that you are more attracted to some to the same sex, and so you're not thinking that marriage is a space for you. Um, but you need to have family. You need to have people that really look out for you. And I think um, 
you know, if you're single for whatever reason, um, there needs to be, you know, friendships that are important that really do um, uh, satisfy that sense of being, I need to be known, I need to be understood mm. um, and accepted for who I am. Mm. And, and so I guess that for the married couple, uh, the thing they have to work hard at is establishing and maintaining good friendships. Mm. And for the single person, it, it's also the same. They have to work hard at maintaining and establishing good friendships. Yeah. Um, but recognising that it, the friendship is going to look a little bit different if it's yeah. a friend with a, a married friend. Yes. Um, yeah, that's right. But Catherine... I can imagine that there's someone listening who's thinking, uh, but you just don't get it, right? Mm. You got married super young mm. um, and you don't get what it's like to be lonely. Mm. You know, you've always had friends and, uh, well, for most point of your life, a husband, mm. family, mm. Uh, but I don't, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Has there been times in your life where you've been lonely without friends? How have you handled that? Yeah. Yes, I definitely have had a period of time that felt very lonely to me. Um, So when my husband and I moved to Mexico, uh, we had Jonathan who was eight months old when we first left and um, our first couple of years in Mexico uh, for me felt, I, I guess I had a, found myself feeling a new sensation and that was loneliness. I had uprooted from the um, support structures in Australia that I had, the good friends and um, family and support that I had in Australia. And apart from my husband, I didn't have anybody that I would really call a friend in Mexico. And my language capacity, although it was a little bit there, it certainly wasn't to the level that I was able to hold deep and meaningful conversations with people. Mm. Um, yeah, that must be another barrier, right? Because yeah. if you can't even speak on that deeper level, then <laughs> yep. how are you going to have Absolutely. a deeper friendship? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I had a, a young baby and then I got pregnant and had a second. And so there was the added complexity around just life with small children. Mm. Um, and... Um, I had attempted to reach out to other young mums at the church that we were part of. And those attempts were sort of met with quite a lot of unresponsiveness. Mm. Um, And I came to realise that for those women that I was trying to reach out to, their wider family network created the support that they needed Mm. and they weren't really looking for friendship and weren't looking to have to make an effort with someone from another country whose language wasn't as, mm, you know, amazing mm. as a, na- a native speaker. Um, I guess it's that's probably a similar experience to what a lot of the international students yeah, have coming Yeah, for here. sure, yeah. Um, and Charlie and I had made a fairly deliberate choice from the outset in Mexico to not gravitate to other foreign people, Mm. English-speaking, Australian or other uh, foreign people, we wanted to know the Mexicans. We wanted to uh, see their world as much as we could from their perspective. 
And if all you do is hang out with other expats, you kind of pick up an expat's perspective Mm. as an outsider of the culture. So, Which I guess doesn't make you as effective in ministry either in some senses. If you're just hanging out with expats, it does affect how well you can interact with the locals. Mm. And we moved to Mexico and lived with a Mexican family from the outset for the first, I think, about six or seven months. Um, And that was... Both a really wonderful time, but also a very stressful time. Yes, I yeah. can imagine. We we had a room a little bit smaller than this as our alone space. That was yeah. all we had, and um, the rest of the time we were having to interact in Spanish with with Mexicans. Mm. And you know, we learnt so much from that. Um, but it also did mean that you know. Sorry. That's all right. We got a phone call midway through. I'll just turn that off. Must be from a friend. Um, anyway, so after a quick phone yeah. call and break yeah, with sorry. the thing, uh, we're we're back. Uh, you you're in Mexico. Yes. Surrounded, not even being able to really speak the language, speaking a little bit of the language. Yeah. New kids. Mm-hmm. Your yeah, your attempts at friendship with local Mexicans has been mums? knocked back a little bit. Mm. So you're feeling lonely, like mm. deep loneliness. Mm. Uh, um, and Charlie can't be the sole source of friendship. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah. Look, there were moments when I actually felt reasonably depressed mm. um, in Mexico. I I remember standing over the kitchen sink at one point, washing dishes, listening to a baby cry, and thinking, what am I doing here? God, why have you got me here? I, I don't know yeah. how I can be effective in this scenario. Yeah. Um, but over time, you know, the relationships did start to build. And our, our particular ministry was with university students. So mm. um, we had a lot of really beautiful relationships form with uni students um, and many of them became sort of spare aunt and uncles for um, yep. our, our lads as they were growing up. And uh, I guess we, I got to a point of accepting that the friendships that God was providing for me were not same stage of life friendships. So it didn't, I, I didn't especially like that I didn't have very many other young mum friendships but there were other good friendships that God was supplying. And yes, right. So, so yeah. sometimes the 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 fix is not necessarily the friendship that you think you should have, mm-hmm. but the friendship that God provides. Yeah, in that that's moment. right. And mm. you know, some of those those friendships with uni students have become lifelong friends. Yeah, right. They are students, well, they're no longer students, they're university um campus ministry people now um, and you know we we hold them very very dearly in our heart and you know the occasional zoom or the occasional um, catch up it's not like we're regularly in conversation with mm. them but the sense of heart bond is very strong with those yeah I was gonna say so how, how do you keep that friendship going when you come mm. back to Australia yeah because that's that's a tricky thing you're halfway across the world yeah that's right so it does change but 
you know, thank God for Zoom land mm -hmm. and emails and other sort of technological ways of keeping up. Um, just this year, Charlie took a trip back to Mexico to marry one of those students. Yeah, wow. He was um, – he. I guess he wasn't officially marrying them because they had their civil wedding first, but then they had the sort of um, religious ceremony to bless the marriage. And um, so you can still so they invited him to come and do that. Encouragement, and uh, you can still build one another, another up, and keep them going in the faith and that kind of thing, even at a distance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's more in in fits and spurts now, mm. whereas when we were in Mexico, it was much more continual. Um, but when big moments happen in people's lives, if they have a baby or if they have a job change or anything like that, they let us know. There's a, a sense of um, uh, keeping us in the loop. Um, and likewise, you know, they respond if we post something about something that's happening in our lives, they respond. So there is a sense of continuing to really take an interest and pray for each other's lives. Um, we as a family took a trip back to Mexico after a few years uh, and it was just a whirlwind of seeing people, catching mm. up with them. And, yeah, although we recognise that you can't maintain the same deep level of friendship right through, um, I guess because we have what unifies us as believers at the core of our relationships even though the friend we recognize the friendship has changed in its nature a little bit the love is still very strong mm. yeah i want to come back to that feeling of loneliness just mm. for a second yes and ask what did that teach you about the gospel hmm or how did the gospel yeah. help yeah yeah in those moments I began to take a lot more um, a lot more notice of parts of the Bible where people feel alone or feel isolated or feel afflicted or that mm. sort of thing. Is, is that a regular thing? Because I haven't paid attention to that particularly. Well, there's a, a lot in the Psalms. Yeah, right. Um, Hence why you love Psalms. Now <laughs> Our uh, staff team is split on that for anyone that wants to know. But yeah. yeah, and and realising that God <clears throat> is faithful no matter what and we have uh, an anchor in him that, you know, he will not be moved and we can be safe and secure in knowing that we're known by him. Mm. Um, I also, you know, I think I would cry out, God, will you please supply me with some friends or will you please supply me with mm. um, what I need here? I'm, I'm feeling like I'm drying up a bit. Um, and, yeah, I would get to have a meaningful conversation that day with someone down the street or with the man in the corner shop or whatever and I'd sort of feel like, oh, yeah, I can connect with people mm. um, and I can be a Christ light to somebody today. Um, 
So I guess the the experience of loneliness helped me realize that uh, we've got to let our light shine for Jesus no matter what. And maybe he's not calling us into particular friendships that we think we need as so much as to invest in the people that he puts in our path and um, and trust that he will give us the love that we need in our hearts for others. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the loneliness was tempered by the fact that I had a husband. So yeah. I had somebody I could talk to and um, and that was, I think, you know, very help, helpful and important. Mm. If you're a single mi- missionary, I think you would really need to have some kind of person who understood you well, um, either on the field if, if you could find that or back at home someone you can message a lot um, to help you and encourage you. Mm. Yeah, because yep. definitely, um, you know, having, having a spouse on the field is, uh, I think, a, a big advantage in that regard. Mm. Um, and I, I think one thing that I'm hearing as a bit of a consistent theme is uh, that the best friendships take time and intentionality. Yeah. Uh, and so even with thinking about going, like if you're thinking about going overseas for mission or mm-hmm. things like that, there's an intentionality behind that, that I'm going to need good friendships. So I'm going to make sure they're in place and this kind of thing. Mm. Um, even before I go, a friendship isn't something we can just kind of uh, naturally, you know, go with the flow and trust that we're going to have really, really deep friendships mm, yeah. in that. Yeah. Yes, I think, you know, they talk about good friends as the flowers in the garden of life. And it's a little bit of a cliche, but the thing about flowers in a garden is you actually have to cultivate a garden mm. to get the pretty flowers. Yeah. Otherwise, you just get a whole lot of weeds and other muck. And an occasional flower will Which, bloom. Which, let's be honest, for uni <laughs> students, probably the little weeds that do bloom is probably the flowers in their gardens. <laughs> and we really need to, I guess, be cultivators. Weed out stuff that, I guess, gets in the way of cultivating good friendships. Let's just pick mm. on that for just yeah. for the last thing as we start to wrap up. Hmm. Um, we've talked a lot about kind of the the benefits and the joys and the good things of friendship. Mm. Are there any particular ways that you see that we do friendship badly hmm. or wrong? So we've said a lot of the like, yeah. yes, do this, but is there anything particularly that you've seen that it's like, no, don't do this? Well, this is the wrong way of approaching friendship. Well, this is the wrong way we think about friendship. Yeah. Well, I think our, our modern world has actually hollowed out the meaning of friendship quite mm. a lot. You cannot possibly have 800 friends, even though Facebook tells you you've got 800 friends. You can't possibly know 800 people in that kind of true friendship way. Um, and so I feel like there's, there's a problem now with the use of the word friendship. Uh, we, we, I think, overlap the idea of friendship with, or the word friendship with the idea of acquaintanceship, really. Um, there's, we have lots of people that we're acquainted with and that if we had an, enough time we could become friends with, but 
we aren't really friends. Mm. Um, so I think the first thing is to recognise that you can be friendly to everybody but you can't be friends with everybody. Mm. That there's a, I guess, a, a special extra notch up that you need to move to have real friendship. Um, and I guess that works the other way too. Yeah. Where not everyone can be friends with you. Yeah, in that's that right. same way. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes, yes. at least in my mind, we think in very much like, well, I don't have time to be friends with everybody, mm. Mm. but those that I choose to be friends with intentionally mm. or whatever, like they must, everyone kind of is like free and able and I'm just choosing who I want, but actually they've got the same question of mm-hmm. they can't be friends with everyone yes. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so there's a, right. there's a grace in there, isn't there? There's yeah, grace, grace that's right. That. And I, I think we have to be careful not to uh, apply too much pressure to particular relationships that they fulfil our needs in ways that perhaps that person isn't capable of, of doing. Um, yeah, I think there's... I think in friendship... Uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but we need to be able to have some level, level of candour in uh, honesty. That yeah, I was going to say, what does the word candour mean? Because okay. I'm not sure everyone knows what that means. Well, kind of being prepared to say things that might be a little bit hard to hear. But if you can say them, you know, in an environment, as a in the relational environment of love and trust and openness the person will hear it and actually in a sense be thankful that you're willing to say Mm. something a bit difficult um the candor is i think something that perhaps we don't do very well in friendships uh maybe we don't build up enough i guess credit in the bank (laughs) to allow candor to be part of the relationship. Mm. Um, but also I think something you mentioned earlier about perhaps people being a bit fragile and not being able to hear candor and accept it and maybe just take offence and then wipe you off the board. Mm. Um, there's a lot of cancel culture now, which means that you know we're not prepared to hear the hard stuff as much. Um, but, you know, I think God wants us to, as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, to sharpen each other so that we are better equipped as Christians and, you know, um, I guess more more thoughtful about the way that we are living our Christian life out. Mm. Um, and, yeah... I feel like loyalty is perhaps something that we undervalue now too. Uh, you know, we're in a consumer age. If we don't, if we stop liking a brand of something because they've changed the ingredients and it's no longer to our satisfaction, we'll dump the brand. We'll find another brand. Um, and I think some people f- do that with human relationships too. Mm. Um, so there's there's not a as high a value on loyalty as perhaps there was a couple of generations ago. Um, you know, when soldiers fought in wars together, 
they had to form a level of loyalty to their battalion or their group so that they they knew they had each other's backs and um you know that's i think one of the perhaps good things that comes out of war mm. <laughs> not many good things come out of war but i think that is one that uh really strengthens relationships in that way um but without a, a war type context you know i think people become much more laissez-faire and blasé about uh, being loyal. Mm. Um, now, obviously, sometimes loyalty needs to be questioned if if things start to fall apart. Um, but I think, in general, we need to to think more deeply about our friendships and how we show our loyalty to our friends. Mm. Mm. Remembering, I guess, always in that, that Jesus is our friend and probably more than that, that we're Jesus' friend. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which you've explained so well and helpfully to us. Mm. Uh, What we like to do at the end of every podcast Mm -hmm. um, is pray and commit Mm -hmm. our time to God. And so... Would you like to do that for us? Yeah, as we sure. Come to a close. Yeah. Is there anything particular we've missed that you would like to add before we wrap it up? Hmm. I think that the one thing that I would like to remind us from the Bible is when God created the heavens and the earth, before sin came into the world, there was one thing that wasn't good. Mm. And that one thing that wasn't good was that the man should be alone. So from the very outset, God created us as his image bearers to not be alone in this world, um, to have company, to have understanding and um, partnership. Now, don't think he was just saying it's not good for man to be alone, he needs a wife. I think he was saying it's not good for this man to be alone, full stop. Um, he needs, he needs uh, company, he needs friendship. And, and the other thing is that God said, let us make man in our image. And who is God? Us, he says, let us make him. So it's God, the triune God. It's not God on his own. God has always been in the company, God, Father, Son and Spirit. And um, so being made in God's image necessitates being creatures who need to be relational. And um, I think that's something that we need to hold on to as part of our creatureliness as God's image bearers, uh, we need others around us. And uh, God, in his amazing grace to us, uh, supplies not just Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, but he supplies us with uh, people Mm. who we can know deep and meaningful relationship with as well. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. What well, would you close yeah, for us in I'll prayer? Yeah, I'll pray. Yep. Um, 
thank you so much, dear Lord God, for your your example to us uh, in Christ of the truest friend, the one willing to lay down his life for his friends. And thank you that you have so graciously called us your friends and called us into that relationship with you that we can be fully known and fully loved and fully accepted and and we just praise you because uh, you do that for every single person who um, who comes to Jesus and your your knowledge of us is perfect and and so you you can strengthen us with your your love and uh, make us able to love others um, reflecting your image as well Lord I do pray that you would help us to be people who um, uh, invest in our friendships um, who are loyal to our friends who can be open and honest uh, who can be trust, trusting and trustworthy and yeah, in, in some small way shine a little bit of uh, heaven's light into this earth uh, through the relationships that we uh, can form with others. We thank you for the gift of friendship. And Lord, I do pray for any of us who at, at different times feel lonely, feel like we don't have friends, people that we can really open up to. I pray that you would um, help us to uh, find the friends that you want for us and, and to be the friend that you want us to be to others. Lord, I pray that you would uh, keep us ever mindful that we can love because you first loved us and that that love is something that uh, is a, a great gift um, in this world that is hurting and broken. Um, I pray for uh, the friendships within the CU uh, that you would help those friendships to become over time uh, friendships that build one another up in love and good deeds, um, friendships that strengthen and um, encourage one another. And yeah, I pray that CU can also be a place where everybody can find friends, that there is room for more and that people... Uh, will be open and loving and accepting just as you are. 
I pray especially for those who come from other countries and experience loneliness in a deep way um, that uh, they will find uh, the, the gift of friendship in, um, in the Christian Union or in Focus. Yeah. I thank you, um, dear Lord, for time to reflect on this and I pray that you would uh, just keep working in our hearts and minds uh, to think more deeply about this. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We long to see everyone at Monash University know a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would love to support Monash Christian Union, you can do so via the link in the podcast description.